We've got a great interview for you today. We are talking with John Austinson and franchising, specifically non-food franchising. Uh, he's got a wealth of knowledge that he's going to share with us in the episode, but let me tell you a little bit about him. Uh, he's a top 1% national franchise broker, investor, author, and international speaker specializing in the area he is coined as non-food franchising. Having served as the president of a uh, Fortune 500 franchise system and now as a multi-brand franchisee himself, John is uniquely positioned to educate others on franchising and franchise selection. So wealth of knowledge here, you're really going to love it. Yeah, he actually has authored a book, Non-Food Franchising, and all the listeners of today's episode can get a free copy of that, and we go through all the details. Um, we also have in the show notes uh, all of his contact information, his website, his email, so you can get that uh, a copy of that book if you'd like. It was I'm telling you, very, very beneficial. Merce and I, you know, we got through with the uh, with the recording and we both like, man, that sounds really interesting. I kind of, uh, that sounds exciting to, to us. And so I know you're going to enjoy this and don't think about this episode and go out. Well, there's no way I want to franchise. Just listen to it. And you, you might say, well, wait a minute, that might be something we want to think about. But before we get into this episode, we have a very quick disclosure. That's right. The information contained in this podcast is intended to provide general information only and not to be considered individualized advice. Different types of investments carry different levels of risk. As always, please contact your financial professional for advice appropriate to your situation. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Secure Your Retirement Podcast. This is the place where high achieving professionals come to gain confidence on how to successfully navigate their transition into and life during retirement. There's no such thing as a passive retirement plan. To have a successful financial future, your plan must be actively managed. Each week, we will bring you action plans and expert interviews that will help you gain insights, learn fresh perspectives, and finally experience peace of mind about your retirement. Here to help you achieve your dream retirement and live the life you deserve are your hosts, certified financial planners, Raiden Stancil and Merce Tariq. Welcome everyone to Secure Your Retirement Podcast. Today we have a, a special guest with us. We know our show, we try to really kind of work around three different aspects. One is financial, one is legacy, the other is lifestyle. And I think today's episode is a real mixture between lifestyle and finance. So we're excited to have John Ostenson with us. He is the author of Non-Food Franchising. So first of all, John, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I think it's going to be very beneficial for us as uh, as a host, as well as all of our listeners. Yeah, no, excited to be here. Appreciate you having me on and uh, looking forward to a great conversation. Well, excellent. So I, first of all, John, I, I you know, my brain kind of goes into you know, curiosity first. So uh, could you tell us a little bit about, I don't know, your situation that now you are, you've written this book, Non-Food Franchising. How did that come about? What's your background a little bit on that? Yeah. You know, like so many of your listeners, I, I spent many years in the corporate world and had a great run and really appreciate everything that, um, you know, it, it was, I was allowed to do during that time, but, you know, but had that itch to build build my own empire, not just someone else's. And so I stepped out about seven or eight years ago and I stepped into a leadership role, had the opportunity to support franchisees for um, uh, Shelf Genie franchise system uh, all across North America. So served as their president. We were a very fast growing franchise system. And, um, you know, that really was my light bulb moment, opened up my eyes to this world of franchising outside of just fast food. I, I found, you know, like so many, when you say franchise, you think fast food and 
yet I saw all these different backgrounds and different stages from a career standpoint that were thriving, um, you know, in business ownership, oftentimes for the first time. And, uh, you know, fast forward, I partnered with the founder, we spun off, we've invested in franchises now on the franchisee side. Um, and I continue to add to my portfolio, just bought another one the other day. And, you know, have been very blessed to have good people running these businesses for me. It allows me to spend the majority of my time helping others do the same. And so what I found was in the market, there's a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of just uh, lack of knowledge around the franchise opportunities that exist, especially in industries that people oftentimes are more interested in outside of fast food. And, you know, I'll start by saying I've got nothing against food as far as we need the food guys. I, I definitely appreciate them and, and, uh, uh, however, my humble belief and that of many of our clients is there's simply an easier path to making money that exists outside of food and some of these other industries we'll dig into. So real quick, and, I, and we, we went, got multiple questions. I just got to follow up to that. Could you give us kind of a, you know, I guess your uh, thought process around why I would look at franchising versus just starting a business? Could you, you know, can, can I give us a little bit of uh, an understanding on that? Yeah, not to be too cliche, but you're starting on third base, not first base. This is a proven that's been a business that's been proven out in other markets that you're able to step into. And as long as you execute and follow that playbook, you know there's a path to profitability. You're not guessing. So, uh, you know, a lot of the hard work has been done. You've got a franchisor on the sidelines that's essentially a coach. And so you're in business for yourself, but you're really not by yourself. You've got a good team behind you in most cases. Not every franchisor is created equal. And that's where we come in and help our clients find the right ones. Um, but you also have other franchisees all around the country that, you know, you can be a support group. You're learning best practices from them. Um, you know, then there's little things like, you know, maybe you're able to buy in bulk, whether it be products or even say marketing services, bookkeeping services, you know, that procurement piece. Uh, you're able to start your marketing day one, leveraging data that's been used in other markets. So you're optimizing your marketing spend day one. There's just so many little benefits. And franchising is not right for everyone. For some people, they want to put their thumbprints all over the business. It may not be the best fit for them. But for so many and so many of our clients, you know, they've just found it's a better way to step into business ownership, either full-time or semi-absentee. Yeah. I, John, that makes perfect sense. I guess you uh, you have to have something that is either brand new or remarkable or you say, well, why am I trying to reinvent the wheel? And let's go with a tried and true process that is profitable and you get to kind of tap into all that knowledge that's taken some time to build up, build up. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, specific to, so when I think of franchising, my first thought goes to McDonald's and all your fast food as well. So what is, what, tell us and maybe give us some examples of what is non-food franchising? What are some of the more, um, I guess, hot topic conversations of, of service industries and stuff like that? Who's buying these franchises and, and uh, how's that whole process work? Yeah, so kind of painting the landscape. First, I'd say there's never been more interest. Uh, our placements were up 30% last year. We doubled the business in the first half of this year. There's overwhelming interest, and I can get into the reasons why. Um, part, part of that's because I think there's still excess cash on the sidelines. A lot of our clients also invest in real estate. There's not many good real estate deals to be had. I think a lot of people coming out of COVID have said, hey, you know, maybe there's a, it's time to make a change. And, and, and of course, you know, a lot of your listeners, a lot of people are nearing the, that stage of you know, retirement where they say, hey, you know, I still want to be active. I still want to have a hand in things. I want to leverage some of my background. Um, and, and so the things that we see them getting involved in 
oftentimes I, I classify them as boring businesses. You know, non-trendy is the new trendy. You know, non-sexy mm-hmm. is what people want. They want boring businesses, and they're not always boring. But you know, I'm talk, talking about cash flowing, Amazon resistant businesses, things like home and property services. So you know, whether it be insulation or gutters or floor coatings or dumpsters, you know, kind of these non-sexy spaces. You know, we're still doing a lot of oil changes in, in many states. Um, you know, things like laundromats. Uh, you know, in, you know, there are areas like health and wellness that are wildly popular, and that's a broad umbrella. A lot of different things fall within that. I'd say we're not doing as much fitness as we used to do, but there are other pockets of health, health and wellness that are really popular. Um, you know, then it's things that people will spend on regardless of the recession. You know, we've been talking about a recession for a decade as a country now. If it finally comes to pass and things do go a little bit south, people are always going to spend on their kids. They're always going to spend on their pets. They're always going to spend on their aging parents their homes, their health. And so pockets like this are where we see a lot of interest. Just a quick sidebar, because you mentioned uh, health and wellness and and fitness uh, franchises and stuff like that. I know during the pandemic, right, that, that all got shut down. And a lot of people, myself included, spent a lot of money on just trying to invest in having something at their house, right? Home gyms. And now, while I loved going into a gym, now I I say, well, I've got this whole build out in my garage, and so I got to use that. But are you seeing the the health and wellness or the fitness industry coming back a little bit with franchising and opening opening new shops? Yeah, you know, I think it was a healthy process in some ways. The strong franchisors were able to step up, support the franchisees during that period. I think of like Exponential Fitness; they have Club Pilates and Pure Bar and all these different brands in their portfolio. Um, so I'd say the stronger surviving, and we see some absolutely thriving out there. There are a couple of personal training ones that, that we really like. But again, by and large, we're doing less in fitness. I'd say in health and wellness, it's more around like in-home senior care, you know, maybe some new angles on that. It's, you know, we've got this aging population, 10,000 people turning 65 every day. We all know that, you know, it's things like testosterone treatments. It's things like IV drips, you know, all these other different types of pockets, a lot of technology infusion as well. Um, but again, I'd say the lion's share of where we're playing today is in those kind of non-sexy, non-trendy businesses that frankly did pretty well during COVID in most states. So a majority of our listeners are individuals that we, you know, are 55 years of age and older. Uh, many of them have been really good savers. They, um, you know, worked in a corporate setting. Uh, they've got money uh, saved for retirement. And they're kind of, you know, we get a lot of folks come in and they're 55 to 60 at that phase. And they say, you know what, I just want to know, can I retire? So I always ask, what does retirement mean to you? Because what, what they really mean a lot of times is I've worked for this company or this industry, this, this corporate industry for 30 years, 25, 30 years. And I just, I don't want to deal with that anymore. So if I say, well, you're going to work part-time, you're going to do something else afterwards. What are you planning? I go, absolutely. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. And so that was one of the reasons why we thought it was so nice to have you on is, so, you know, the question is who, who does buy these? I mean, is this like something that, you know, I've got to have a background in running a business. I've got to have that kind of an atmosphere enough to say, well, I've been a corporate guy my whole life. And now I'm going to walk into this business. Could you kind of say, well, is that, is that, yep. Don't even think about franchising or nope. That's exactly why franchising exists. Yeah. I'd say about a third of our clients are existing business owners. They've been there, done that. Two thirds have not. And so we we work with a lot of cor- corporate executives. I'd say that's probably the majority. We also work with medical professionals, with doctors, with attorneys, all different types of backgrounds where maybe they've never run a business. They've been more of a professional, let's say, 
Um, but there's so many transferable skill sets. There, there really are, whether it be people management or sales or, or marketing. Um, but no, that franchisor is really going to do the heavy lifting on that piece. I think what they're looking for, they're looking for attitude. They're looking for people to come in to say, hey, we're not going to pretend to be the smartest guy in the room. There's a reason why we're buying into the system. Um, you know, about a third of our clients are looking to run the day-to-day operations. Two-thirds are not. They're looking to put a manager in place in most cases. And with franchising, you've got a franchisor, again, assuming it's a good one, that will really lean in and help support that manager. They can be that technical resource, taking some of that burden off of you on a day-to-day basis. So many of our clients end up building out a portfolio of franchises of different brands, you know, some multi-location, and they put managers in place. They kind of stand, you know, I won't sugarcoat it. Nothing's ever easy to stand up a business, but if you have a good operating manager that you put in place and incentivize correctly, there's that potential for them to run with it. I mean, that's how I am able to do what I do is I put good managers in place, give them enough leash, support them as needed, but then I move on to the next thing. I hope that you are enjoying the show. By the way, if you are in or nearing retirement and are someone who wants to gain clarity on what questions you should be asking, learn what the biggest retirement myths are, and identify what you could be doing to achieve peace of mind for your retirement, get started today by requesting your complimentary video course, Four Steps to Secure Your Retirement. To access the course, simply visit pomwealth.net forward slash podcast. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, This is definitely the first step to get started in applying these principles to your life. So head over to pomwealth.net forward slash podcast and check us out. So it's good to know because sometimes I kind of think of, well, franchising and and you're you're the first one there and you're the last one, you're the janitor, because it's now your your baby, right? But it can still be your baby and still have you know, uh, the ability to delegate and make sure that someone else is running the business. So you a bit become more of the the money behind it. And also, you know, that takes a lot of stress off of it for take our clientele that's kind of transitioning into this retirement phase of life, if they could get it into and you always hear about passive investing. And that's the way to make money these days, which I think there's some of that can be a little gimmicky, but this, this sounds very realistic. So semi-absentee or semi-passive, what we call an executive model has been around for a very long time. A lot of the companies we work with allow for that. There are four or five companies that are truly passive. That's where the franchisor actually recruits and manages the manager for you. It's kind of the holy grail. There aren't many companies that do it, but there are four or five. They've been wildly popular with our clients. Um, you know, I actually just bought into another one myself. I live in Atlanta. I'm putting locations down in South Florida because the great demographics down there. But the franchisor will run the business for me. I get on one or two calls a month, check in with the team, review performance, and uh, you know, make decisions. So, so there are a few of those. Yeah, excellent. So you've you've named you know just in the in our little conversation here quite a few different ideas. I know my brain starts kind of thinking, well, man, what would this be like, or what would this particular, or what 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 I even do? And I start kind of going, well, what 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 would what would my interest be, or what would excite me, or whatever. So. Could you walk us through what that process looks like? I mean, somebody is talking, I'm assuming with with you, you help people with this, right? You help people kind of think this through. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So how would that look? You know, I I call you up or we have a meeting and I'm just trying to figure out, I don't even know anything about franchising. So how does that process look? Yeah. So step one, come out to our website, Frambridge Consulting, which I'm sure will be in the show notes. We'll send you a copy of Non-Food Franchising, which is our new book that it really takes you through a lot of great information and kind of exposes you. We'll send you a video as well to kind of give you an overview. But it's entirely free to work with us. From there, if you'd like to book a call with me, 
you know, I'll get on the phone and we'll talk through your situation. I'll give you some things to think about. Um, we're funded by the franchise companies when placements happen, very much like an executive search or real estate type model, if you will. Um, it, and we work with over 600 companies. We work with all the top development firms out there as well. And so what we'll do is we'll get to know you, have you fill out a little bit of information. I'll come back to you then with typically around 10 or 12 opportunities that I would say based on the strength of the franchisor, their, their leadership team, their competitive advantages, their um, you know, availability in the market based on my experience. If I'm in your shoes, here are the ones I want to be looking at in your market. From there, your goal is to narrow it down usually to three or four. I would then make introductions to the franchise companies. You know, if you don't like the first callings, hit pause on it. But so oftentimes that one that was number four in your mind going in pops up to number one. Over 90% of our clients end up purchasing something that was never on their radar. And that's what makes the process fun is you have that light bulb moment. And you say, wait, you look at your spouse and say, we, we can really do this. This makes a lot of sense. And so the franchise world, just like everything in franchising is very process driven. They'll take you through a whole process of exposing you to all facets of the business. We're there to kind of hold your hand and support you along the way and serve as a sounding board and provide you with funding resources. Many people are using their retirement funds. Uh, there's what's called a ROBS program where you can roll those over. Uh, we have a franchise attorney. We have a recruiter. So we have all the key people to bring in as needed to uh, support you as well. So, so help us understand a little bit about the financials around franchising. Obviously, there's the the buy-in cost, and then there's projections on revenue and profit. Um, so help, help us understand that part. Obviously, one franchise is going to cost something, and another one is going to cost something completely different because it all depends on their revenue models and their profit models. Uh, and then you just mentioned something really interesting because a lot of our clients work within retirement assets, right? And they don't have necessarily a bunch of cash on hand, but they've got a couple million dollars in a, in a 401k type investment. So it, walk us through that part, that piece as well. Yeah. So touching on that piece real fast, uh, you can use a 401k or IRA from a previous employer and roll it over through what's called a ROBS program. And there are a few steps you have to take along the way. We have a partner that helps our clients with these rollovers, but essentially you can purchase the franchise with the ROBS program, you pay yourself a salary out of it, and you're able to you know, not have the tax implications you would if you just pulled the money out. Um, you know, Certainly we have some very large placements out there, but I'd say the majority of what people are getting into, some of these service-based businesses, when you look at the franchise fee, startup cost, and working capital all grouped together, you're oftentimes in the ballpark of, I'd say, 150 to 350. And you know, some of our clients are using cash, again, cash sitting on the sidelines. Many are putting maybe 50, 75,000 of cash into the business and then using an SBA loan for the balance. And that's very, very common in franchising. Um, and then some are using the retirement rollover or a HELOC. Uh, as far as the type of returns, I mean, it really is across the board. And we always want our clients to be conservative. Um, the nice thing in franchising is you do have what's called the item 19 within a franchisor's FDD, their franchise disclosure document. So you can see historical numbers associated with the performance of past franchisees. You can also talk to existing franchisees through what we call validation and hear about their ramp up and their experience. So you get some good inputs. It's not just back of the napkin uh, modeling. Um, but when you look at some of these, there's some really attractive returns that open up people's eyes. You know, I'll give one example, just, you know, there was one that we did nine placements with last year. It's a gutter business, gutter installs, $6 billion, highly fragmented industry, had everyone from doctors to a wall street attorney buy this one. Um, and then insurance guys, corporate executives, all an in investment on this year in the 200 to 225 range, their franchisees across the country, you know, several dozen franchisees, I think we're in their item 19 averaging 1.7 million in revenue, 
with about a 27% EBITDA or bottom line margin. Pretty healthy, even if you take a conservative approach too. And then you think about what you put into the business and what you're getting back. Now, that's probably year three revenue. So there's a ramp up to that. But many of their franchisees have actually hit the 1 million mark in revenue in year one. So it is a pretty fast ramp. Um, not everyone has 27% margins. Some are more in the 15% range. Um, but that's just kind of an example of one that's been really popular out there. So um, when, when, when you, you're talking about these different franchises, is it typically... Um, I'm buying a fran. I mean, this is your typical where I'm buying, let's say, a franchise, and I'm I'm going to an area where I'm I'm going to start up that franchise fresh. Or is it I'm buying another franchise that's already operating, and I'm buying that franchise, and I'm just taking over? What's the typical? It'd be the former. I'd say probably ninety to ninety-five percent of our clients are buying new territory for an existing franchise brand. Um, we do some resales. The challenge is oftentimes. They're picked over and there aren't too many you know, great options out there. I, you know, a lot of times people like the idea of the resale. I do have a chapter in my book um, on resales versus franchises and starting new and kind of talk about the pros and cons of both. Because I think once you think about perspective of what if someone were to leave the business or what if you lose a key customer, you're paying a premium for a business that has some risk, inherent risk to it when you buy a resale. Um, so yeah, the majority would be new locations. Um, now, interesting point though, when you... Build up your franchise so you're getting the cash flow along the way. You're getting the tax write-offs as well. You know, there's a lot of things you can do as a business owner. You couldn't as a W-2 employee from a tax standpoint. Um, I'm happy to get into that piece of it. Uh, but you're also building towards an exit. You know, you're building an asset that you're going to be able to sell down the road if you run halfway decent. And there's an interesting study done recently um, by the Riker School of Business where they looked at 2,000 transactions over a 10-year period and they look at like-kind industries of franchises versus non-franchises in these industries. What they found was franchise businesses on average traded a multiple of one and a half times non-franchised on like-kind businesses. And so there is value to be seen uh, when you go to sell the business down the road. So um, is there like when we go to your website or whatever, is there like a list of different types of, of franchises or is there a place I could go to kind of, I mean, I know we could book a call with you and I get that, but I mean, is there kind of have your, do you give something for somebody to go ahead and start thinking about or what do you, what do you do there? Yeah. I'd say in our book, you know, we, we have a whole chapter on industries that talks okay. about different types of businesses out there. I think we have a few examples on our website, but you know, the challenge with just publishing a list is, Oftentimes, that's, they aren't going to be available in your area, or maybe there's a nuance no. to the market. So it just requires, and that's where, you know, even if you were to go out there and say, what are the top 100 franchises and their lists that do that? The challenge is a lot of those companies are paying to be on that list. It's a PR move. And so you really have to understand behind the scenes what's going on with these franchisors and kind of, you know, th there was one recently, if you went to their website, they just moved from Canada to the US. Well, you wouldn't know they had a US presence, except They've already sold 75 licenses in the U.S., but you would never know that looking at the website. Um, so there's always a story behind it. Yeah. Well, um, I, I don't think I have any other questions. Do you, Raiden? I was just going to ask one more uh, before we wrap up as, is yeah. that, do, do you, is there anything that you think, hey, you guys, we I want to share this. Maybe we didn't ask it. Is there anything at all you might want to say, hey, I, I want to cover this point before we go? Yeah, you know, I think starting with the end in mind, what your ultimate goal is. And uh, again, we have some passive opportunities and quite a few that are semi-passive, but you know, I just look at case studies of clients of ours and, and what they've done and you know, kind of where they started and what they built up over time. I think of Nathan, you know, our client in Columbia, South Carolina, who has a 
$35 million business in two minute truck moving service, operates in 10 markets. Every year he comes to us and buys another franchise, puts a young guy from his church or his community over the business and says, go make us proud. And I think we've done that four times now. Oh, wow. Mm. He comes back and buys additional locations every time in the first year. And so I love seeing success stories like that where I, I think, you know, for your audience where they are from a career standpoint, thinking about giving back as well. You're not just building from a financial standpoint, but you're creating jobs, you're you know, able to mentor through this, and there could be some intangibles as well. Well, John, thank you so much for coming on today. It seems like there's a wealth of knowledge here with John to be tapped into. If if you're listening and you say, "Hey, I've been kind of you know thinking about this idea, but I just don't know where to start," uh, we've got we'll have the website in the show notes. He's got a nice offer there. But John, thank you for hanging out with us for a little bit. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Enjoyed it. All right, thank you. All right, everyone, that wraps up today's episode of the Secure Your Retirement Podcast. If you found value in today's episode, we would love nothing more than for you to head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a review. Be sure to take a screenshot of the review before you submit it, and we'll send you a special gift. Our book, Get Off the Retirement Roller Coaster. Just email morgan at pomwealth.net with a screenshot of the review to get your gift. Also, be sure to subscribe so you get notified of new episodes as they're released every week. And finally, please share our podcast with your favorite social network so more of your friends and family can benefit from this information. Always remember, you've worked hard to get where you are, and now you deserve to have a retirement that works hard for you.